Before we start the show, we'd love to hear more from you, our listeners, whether that's a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, a tweet, or even dropping us an email at unedited at edited.com. It'd be great to know what you've enjoyed and what you'd like to see more of. So please share any feedback you have with us and we'd love it if you could tell just one friend about Unedited. Welcome to Unedited, our fortnightly podcast where we explore the opportunities and challenges the retail industry is facing. Brought to you by myself, Diana Bang, and the lovely Grace Hill. From fashion, beauty, and homeware, Diana and I will be covering industry topics and shedding light on how retailers can create a brighter future. So how are you, Diana? How's, how's lockdown going in Hackney? It's good. I mean, I don't know what day it is, but same old, same old. Every day seems the same, but painting and baking. I've been making Rocky Road and to all our listeners, those of you who don't know, Rocky Road is really easy to make. Nobody told me this. (laughs) How are you, Grace? I'm good. I'm good. Well, I'm glad no one's told me how easy it is to make because I think it wouldn't be the best thing for my waistline, that is for sure. But yeah, no, things are good. I'm on the Isle of Wight. So obviously, as it's famous for the, the contract tracing app, we even had Channel 4 this morning interviewing my dad in the garden about his experiences with the app, which has been interesting, that is for sure. But my family are under strict instructions for this podcast recording that they cannot be using the Wi-Fi because it's not very good in my household. So apologies for that. But um, I hear you've been doing a lot of running. Yes, I'm obsessed with Strava. I've been, you know, thank you to my friend who nominated me for the donation. Now I've been running all my life for the past two weeks, it seems. I've just been looking and looking at the data and seeing how much I've improved. And then I've also nominated the lovely Grace on there as well. Yes, thanks, Diana, for that nomination. <laughs> I know I um, I did complete the 5K. You know, it might not have been as quick as you, but no, it's been good. You know, I hope I see you running into the office in the future based on the, these times that you're posting. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's a bit far away. That's a bit. Much. We'll see <laughs> when we get to that point. I know there's been some amazing fundraising efforts. Obviously, individuals that've been contributing to the the 5K cause, but. Also, you can't get away from the incredible effort of now Colonel Tom Moore and the millions that he's been able to raise for the NHS. But even just individuals and families and family friends, you know, one of my friends, she raised over £800 for the NHS by doing an online workout for her friends. She's a personal trainer. It's really been amazing. Yeah. And seeing influencers being getting involved and brands and retailers. And I saw the other day with ASOS Supports, how they're matching donations to the NHS. So there's just been a lot going on. So much going on. And obviously, in light of all of this, Diana, what is it that we're going to be talking about on today's episode? Well, Grace, COVID-19 has obviously brought particular focus to how brands and retailers can make a difference during these challenging and uncertain times. So today we'll be discussing fashion for social causes. So our guest today is Katie Chitricon. She's the retail and marketing editor at Vogue Business. Katie began her career working at the International New York Times Fashion Desk and most recently a reporter at the Business of Fashion and Women's Wear Daily. She's also written for Vogue Global Network and Luxury Society and has worked on commercial projects with Netta Porter and List. Welcome, Katie. We're very excited to have you join us today. How are you and and how's lockdown going? 
Hi, Grace. And hi, Diana. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a real pleasure to be able to join you. Things are as well as they can be. And yeah, I'm really excited to start talking about this with you. Definitely. Katie, as we know, COVID-19 has really disrupted the retail industry in the past few months. It'd be great to start off with kind of a wide approach and understand how current circumstances brought attention to social causes within the fashion industry. Definitely. I would say it started in 2019. That for me really felt like the year when the global fashion industry like kind of finally began to take, you know, environmental, ethical, social problems seriously. And you're seeing like major conglomerates, fashion brands, mass retailers, pretty much everyone all taking steps to align themselves with certain causes. I think this is happening because younger consumers are really concerned. You know, many of them regard these political, environmental causes as being the defining issues of our time. So they're really backing their beliefs with their shopping habits. And they're basically favoring brands that are aligned with their values. And they're avoiding those that don't. I mean, this has always been an important topic, but I think it's become even more significant now in the light of COVID-19, which is a health crisis that impacts us all. Mm-hmm. So the reality is nobody's immune. It's impacting you. It's impacting your friends, your family, your neighbor, everyone you work with. So it's something that's really unavoidable. I think in the past, perhaps it was easy for brands to take the safe route. Maybe they can remain neutral and not take a stance on things for individuals it might seem that certain issues didn't impact them, so they wouldn't have to do anything about it. But that's not the case in these current circumstances. So I think at this point in time, it's really important for brands to do more than just sell products. And I think they're realizing that too. Yeah, for sure. I feel like it's impacting everyone and no one can kind of get away from that. Mm. Based on the range of resources across supply chains and marketing, kind of what initiatives from brands have you seen across the industry? So like you said, because the virus has had such a colossal impact worldwide, we're seeing every single company and brand, no matter how big or how small, they're all finding ways to support this battle against COVID-19. And I think that's a really great thing to see, to see a society become so collective, because we have to admit that's normally not how things always are. So I've seen sport companies like Nike, Adidas, New Balance, they're switching their assembly lines from their usual trainer production to do things like making face masks or face shields instead. Amarni Group, they've done the same thing. They've switched from producing luxury goods to making a medical supplies. And that also follows on from like a 2 million euro donation from Giorgio Armani himself. All the big players, you know, Gucci, Vuitton, Prada, Bottega Veneta, they're all supporting where they can too. But we're also seeing like local smaller movements happening. So in London, there's this emergency designer network. I don't know if you've, you've seen it, but they're mobilizing factories, machinists and skilled helpers to basically produce urgently needed scrubs for frontline NHS workers. And you see London-based designers like Bethany Williams and Phoebe English who have all played a part in this. And then in the US, you see larger designers like Tory Burch or platforms like the CFDA, and they're fighting for smaller businesses who have been impacted by the pandemic. And like these are just a few examples of what fashion brands have been doing. Yeah, I think I saw on my LinkedIn, actually, some messaging around this about the designer network. And um, I guess it'd be good to understand how has this communication been effective within the messaging that comes out? And are there any standout brands? You know, what channels have they relied on to push out this messaging? 
I think despite the difficulty that the health crisis has created, brands do need to communicate clearly and more honestly with their customers now than ever before. I think because people aren't thinking about much else than COVID-19 right now, and brands kind of have to acknowledge this crisis or they'll just come off as insensitive and they'll just be tuned out entirely because, you know, that's not what people need right now. So like Gucci, for example, they offered their social media platforms to the World Health Organization. And I think they've done a really fantastic job. They acted quickly. If you look at their Instagram, ever since there was global awareness of the virus late March, they really dedicated themselves to like only posting and promoting content related to how they can help. And they consistently did so for the next two or three weeks. I appreciate that's not for everyone. Some followers might that find that odd. I saw one or two users who left comments like, is this a Gucci account anymore? But like on the whole, I I think it was very well received. When you were asking about where it's taking place, I think social distancing means everything's happening online now. That's why I think Gucci's done a good job. They've got over 40 million or so followers on Instagram. So they've utilized their massive social media following. First and foremost, they're comforting their followers. The first post that they posted during the pandemic was to say that we're all in this together. It was like carrying a picture of a globe and together. But then after that, they used their platform to call on their worldwide community to donate and to help. So I think that's a good approach because Gucci's basically using these newfound constraints and they're furthering their creativity in a different way. And they're really utilizing, like I said earlier, their social media channels and their network. Other brands that I would kind of really commend are the ones that are making use of the production skills that they have and also the ones who are trying to communicate candidly with their followers because transparency is really, really important now, even though fashion doesn't exactly have a reputation for being transparent. (laughs) I think it's amazing that brands like Gucci are leveraging their social media networks and really promoting those messages of the World Health Organization. But how important is it for brands to be genuine and authentic? with the social causes they support and kind of how important is brand purpose right now? Right. And I mean, I think that's the hardest part for fashion brands. I think even before COVID-19, things like obviously like the name, the look and the feel of the house is like, it's important in fashion, but I don't think that's the essence of what will make you like a really great fashion house or brand. I think if that's the kind of brand that you want to build and like one that will last a very long time, one that will be remembered, you have to start with purpose. What, what's the purpose of your brand and why are you in the business beyond making money? And I think that's the part that will get you through all the problems you're going to encounter along the way. It will help you attract the best employees and it will keep you focused on what's really important. I think brand purpose is also really important because it helps create consumer loyalty based on the shared values that you have. So when your competitor releases a cool new product or there's a lower price point somewhere else, that just doesn't do it anymore. Your consumers will still stay with you because of what you offer. I think looking specifically at COVID-19, brands are doing what they're doing because they have a sense of duty. But I think there's also an undeniable sense that it feeds into their marketing strategy. Now at a time when stores are closed all around the world, fashion brands are deemed as not essential. Um, People can't go outside. Brands are really changing what they're doing on platforms like Instagram. Usually when you go on Instagram, you go on Facebook, it's usually cluttered with ads or visuals selling products. And now you're seeing kind of like drawing classes and styling challenges, tutorials, like anything to make followers feel like they're part of a community. So, and the reason I think is because once this is over, customers will be loyal to the brands that they consider vital to them. It's the brands that have been with them all along who have gotten them through this. So that's why brands are really positioning themselves to be kind of front and center consumer minds when this is all over. 
Yeah. I feel like even, you know, with TikTok, we spoke a lot about this in the last podcast, but that's just a new channel that I think it's almost like you don't even realize that there are brands on there because of the way that influencers work closely with retailers and brands. So you don't notice that they're actually behind certain channels and they're actually promoted by the influencer. So yeah, I spoke about this last time, but it would be good from this social cause point of view because we've seen the power of influencers evolve over the years with retail partnerships being the norm. Now that everyone is respecting social distancing measures, how have retailers tapped into that influencer community to help spread the message and how do influencers resonate with that community as well? Right. I, I love this topic. I think it's so interesting. I mean, COVID-19 really made things all the more challenging because influencers can't go out. They can't do the things they normally do, like attend events. Some influencers are really dependent on social media for their livelihood. So basically, they stop posting, they're cauterizing their main revenue stream. So I think it's, it's interesting because, again, in these times, it's impossible to kind of overlook the privilege that's inherent in being able to produce such aspirational content. I mean, the job of an influencer is essentially to live a better life than you do and then sell you on it. <laughs> so I think, I think some people have been turning away from influencer culture because of that. It's not what they need or want right now. But then again, for some other people, it gives them a chance to learn about the people and connect to the people that they, they idolize or are interested in. So I think, for example, you can look at Ami Song from Song of Style. She's very well known, like over 5 million followers. And she does very well across different social media platforms. Like she's often used by luxury fashion brands, but she also appeals to the masses. I think one reason is that she's been very successful in sharing her lifestyle and her point of view. I think someone who's just like luxury and just fashion becomes very one-dimensional and that's a bit limiting to themselves. Whereas I guess an influencer who talks about what they're wearing, what they're cooking, what their office looks like, they're really setting themselves up to be this like ultimate influencer, this ultimate player. And I guess in influencer marketing, that's that's the goal. But I'm also not saying that that's the right route for everybody. Like ultimately, I think a successful influencer is like a successful guide, then they're a successful leader. The audience looks to them as someone who's helpful. And I think with influencer marketing, if people love you, if they kind of like love your family, or maybe they love what you stand for and what you're about, then in times like these, you don't even have to try. You don't have to try sell them the shoes or the handbag. Like they're already here for you and your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I did a um, webinar on influencer marketing recently. And if you look on Google, searches for influencer marketing are actually at an all-time high. So there's definitely still a lot of interest. I'm still seeing brands work with influencers in different ways. I wrote about how brands like Entire World and also Mango, they've tapped influencers to show how they're wearing clothing at home, which is really interesting. Other brands I've spoken with, they've been using content. They've stopped power from trips that they were taken earlier on in the year and they're hoping it would get them through summer. So that's really interesting to see. I think at the end of the day, word of mouth still resonates with people. So I don't think influencers will just disappear just like that. Well, even on Zara's website, they had the models doing TikTok. Uh, when was it? The, the blinding lights dance on their collection, which is, yeah, interesting. It's really great. It's, it's just really interesting to see a brand experiment with these different ways. And I think doing something is better than not doing anything at all. Definitely. I think it's been fascinating, hasn't it? Seeing how creative brands have had to be in terms of the content they've produced in the light of the current circumstances and not having those same resources and processes that they can rely on. I think for me, especially, I'm a huge Lucy Williams fan. And, you know, the fact that, yes, she may not be on a beach, but she's been kind of introducing me to like TV shows or books and things that she's been reading. And I think that's been an interesting take on 
the new role of the influencer right now. But with LA-based Revolve, obviously they've started an initiative to donate masks to their community's healthcare workers. And we wanted to know from your perspective, Katie, how can brands encourage their community to be involved in raising awareness and fundraising efforts for social causes? Well, I think brands can definitely do some encouragement, but it's ultimately the consumers who dictate the change, not the brands. I think it's important for brands to keep informing them of the situation, what's happening and when where they stand. I mean, it helps that we've seen platforms like Instagram, you know, they're launching, they've launched donation buttons and like clap for NHS stickers. And that makes it easier for people who don't know where to go or how to show their support. I think the most important thing really is to be transparent, have a clear point of view, but it also has to come from a place that's authentic. Something that I've seen that I really love is like fashion photographers like Leah Colombo, um, Tyler Mitchell and Campbell Addy. They're selling prints of their works as part of initiatives like pictures for Elmhurst, um, works for workers and photographs for Trust. So Trust is quite a few now. And they raise money for food banks in need during COVID-19. I mean, I'm not saying that people sh- need to be incentivized just to contribute to your cause, but it definitely helps. Another example I've come across is that some influencers who have been approached by companies for partnerships during this time, they're asking those companies which charities they're aligning with. I know one influencer who basically suggested that every time somebody commented on their live stream, which was like a partnership with the brand that she would donate a meal for a child through no kid hungry and the brand would have to match that donation and the brand agreed and I guess it's having links like that that really matter I think it's just important now for brands and influencers to question like how can I use my influence when I can't go out and physically use my time Mm, yeah I feel like um Victoria Beckham I know she's had her fair share of controversy Mm -hmm. over the last uh, couple of weeks but I know for me personally it was on her Instagram that I initially saw kind of the the clap for the NHS workers I think it's just kind of raising the profile of that isn't it Mm -hmm. and and bringing drawing people's attention to certain Mm -hmm. yeah and ASOS as well are matching donations on their ASOS supports products that they're doing. So I guess one of one of the questions that we've had a lot from the retailers that we work with, this is kind of a long-term view, but how is the consumer mindset? Has it changed off of the back of the current social causes? And what's the long-term impact and what do brands need to consider? Right. I think because again, COVID-19 impacts everyone, like everyone has to care. And what's changed for brands is like they have to be more sensitive, but they also have to get more creative in how they communicate with customers during, you know, this difficult time. Caring, which owns like Saint Laurent, Gucci and a couple other luxury brands, they suspended not just store openings, but advertising altogether in China when like that virus was at its worst in the country and advertising, you know, in fashion magazines where the big or small is kind of one of the first places that brands look to cut costs. But I don't think that should mean that brands stop consumer outreach altogether. I just think that fusing marketing and activism takes a bit more than just latching on to the cause of the moment. Because like like you said, consumers are watching more closely than ever before. I think because of social media and the, in the internet, all the information is there and people can also speak and interact with one another. So like, for example, it would look weird if a brand spoke a lot about supporting gender equality and then all their top executives were male. Or there was an example from, it was last year, maybe the year before, when Lacoste said it would switch out its trademark crocodile logo and then kind of like have a different and jaded species on their polo shirts. I mean, that, that was a nice idea. But then people quickly pointed out that the company was still selling products made from deer and cow skins 
or another example, I, like I mentioned earlier, Gucci is doing some really fantastic things on the marketing front. But like the reality is there are still warehouse or e-commerce workers that are at risk of COVID-19, mm-hmm. you know, and they're trying to fulfill online shop, shopping orders of like Gucci sunglasses. One example was um, Neiman Marcus. They're an American luxury retailer and they stock Gucci. And they basically asked but not required workers to come to stores to package online orders for like handbags and other fashion items. And I think some people think these workers have a choice, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. I mean, that's just an example. I'm not pointing the finger at Gucci. It's just a tricky situation, but it's also a significant change from the past. I think historically, brands used to avoid political or strong messaging out of kind of a fear of offending customers with a different point of view. And the danger now is not being committed enough. Absolutely. I think it's difficult and challenging as well, isn't it, for brands when, you know, if they work with third parties, for example, you know, and and, and the influence that they can have over businesses like Neiman Marcus and how they're fulfilling their products. Definitely a challenge. So Obviously, the NHS is doing wonderful things. I know personally with my family, my dad's a doctor and hugely passionate about it. But our reliance on them right now is is more important than ever. And I've been reading reports that NHS is now the coolest brand in Britain. I'd love to get your take on how the pandemic has contributed to this, Katie. Okay, so it's it's interesting to hear that because I have really mixed feelings about this. I think the NHS has long been loved by the British public. I think personally speaking, having lived in a few other places in the world, I I really do think that the healthcare system in the UK is great. But I do think that the power or the brand of NHS has really been controversial. I mean, if you think about like the Brexit leave bus, when it was like plastered with that promise of like paying, what was it, an extra 350 million a week to the NHS and that never really happened. Or like every other week when you have people clapping for NHS carers, but nurses are not being paid or protected properly against COVID-19. So I do find it a little bit distasteful in some sense, but I also understand the link given, you know, its societal value. So I think it's really interesting that you brought that up because that so-called cool factor, I think it really began in 2015 when Sports Banger did that t-shirt with the NHS box logo about the Nike swoosh. And then obviously like there was Corbin Mania and that swept throughout the festivals and for like the many years to come, that t-shirt was just like, it was everywhere. And then now we're seeing all these kind of like cool brands creating Corona or NHS themed pieces. I've seen quite a few people on my feed. I don't don't know if you have as well, wearing like a t-shirt or hoodie from palaces um, online collection that says like NHS try to help and it's basically like the signature um, palace triangle logo but instead of the brand it's been replaced by the words national health service and that's insane because the collection sold out in two minutes yeah um, last week supreme they launched a COVID-19 relief t-shirt and it was like in collaboration I think with Takashi Murakami the Japanese artist and that also sold out immediately and then, so like lots of brands are helping and also ID and Aries, their youth focused companies, they've started to sell physical stickers that people can buy to support NHS staff and volunteers. So I guess it's good that brands are making the effort, but what doesn't really sit well with me is when it comes down to like, how much can this be resold for? Because resale is a massive market. And like I read in a Guardian story today about altruistic streetwear, I, I didn't even know this was a thing, but apparently altruistic streetwear is more popular on average in terms of resale than your typical streetwear item. So I I read that a Supreme COVID-19 relief tea is selling for about like $850 on StockX, 
which is more than 14 times its original price. And that's also higher than average for, you know, your average box logo tees. And it's things like that that doesn't really sit well with me when you consider its origins. Mm -hmm. It's crazy because of, I guess, when Grace and I were talking about this, when we were putting together questions, it's that whether it's, you know, unethical kind of piece. And it's interesting you mentioned about resale because, you know, you have sites where retailers that give you a voucher to buy part of their newness if you sell on their resell their sites and products which is completely mm. counterintuitive because then you're getting a discount code for buying a piece of their newness for trying to sell you know an, an old garment that you have which is interesting but I guess what you were discussing as well about the transparency what I with ASOS they have that whole transparency piece of how that product like that matching of the donation and you click into the product and get all the information of where it's going but I guess from what you were talking about, what products can retailers consider that would resonate with customers? And then it'd also be great to understand about, is it unethical? And what are your thoughts on that? I don't think it's so much a specific product, but I think it's important to understand where all the data is coming from or how retailers and brands are measuring their successes. I think it's a really confusing time, especially for the younger generation, because they have more pressing issues at the forefront of their minds than any other previous generation. It feels like everywhere they turn, there's like a marginalized group or there's like a social cause that demands their attention. And I also feel like fashion brands today have the additional pressure because they've taken on what maybe other pop cultural pursuits like music or film would react to. And now they have a duty to react to the times. But I mean, there's a danger. It's also encouraged a kind of clumsy output in some cases. I think we're also living in a time where individuals are assuming moral and political decisions sometimes just to fit in and there isn't a deep interrogation happening. Like largely speaking, like we just believe what we thought. And I think if a fashion brand is producing a product so-called exclusively for you to show your support, then you should look at their reasons because it could just be their way to say, we are modern in our thinking, we are good, we are nice people, shop with us. So I think there needs to be more questioning. And I also appreciate that, like speaking of resale, brands don't always have control of their pricing. But I mean, it definitely doesn't sit well with me when brands produce even more clothing just to kind of like lecture or align themselves with, you know, a cause like say climate change. So I guess what I'm trying to say, the biggest mistake I see is when brands are quickly jumping to support a cause that's trending just to make themselves visible. I think that if there is a cause or charity or movement or anything really that speaks to you, it's about finding ways to support that community, like engage with them, listen to them and find out what they actually need. Then quickly just like producing a t-shirt or a cap or, or whatever it is. Definitely. I think kind of the ethical part of people potentially profiteering off of a t-shirt that was meant to raise money for a social cause is, is, is a difficult one. But to that point of creating tangible product to support social cause, obviously we've just had, you know, Earth Day and obviously Earth Month, which took place in March. But I guess in what way has COVID-19 and coronavirus drawn attention to sustainability? Yeah, on Vogue Business, we've had quite a few questions about this as well. Like there's been concerns that maybe the, the pressure could you know, lead to sustainability initiatives being put on the back burner yeah. as you know, you know, retailers or brands are kind of forced to cut costs and ship up their priorities. But I actually think COVID-19 has only emphasized the importance of brand transparency. Like, you know, all the existing problems in fashion, mm-hmm. like whether it's design or production or the supply chain, it's only been exacerbated by the virus. So like in a way, the good news is that the pandemic it gives us an opportunity to really rethink the way that brands do things and implement some like real positive change. 
So I guess I want one example is that there's been more public scrutiny on the relationship between brands and their suppliers. There's reports of retailers cancelling orders and delaying payments to their suppliers because of COVID-19. And that's kind of like showing how brands manage their relationships with supply chain partners, how they're treating them. And that's pushed a lot of companies like H&M to Primark to announce that they're going to honour their commitments to kind of pay their suppliers. But I mean, the details around this also remain unclear, but they've made statements. I think on the whole, the disruptions are positive because like, like I said earlier, it prompts brands to reevaluate their dependence on their global suppliers. I think if brands end up restructuring their supply chains as a result, it can be a really good opportunity for transformation because there's no point to be selling a t-shirt that promotes the NHS or, you know, well-being when you're not taking care of the worker who produced that t-shirt and everyone else who was involved along the way. Mm. I feel like the leader of the workers' union in Bangladesh for the factory workers, she did such a fantastic job in holding brands like H&M and Primark accountable for what she was seeing happening with cancelling orders. And I've, I've seen kind of like, um, you know, environmentally focused journalists say as well that they don't think that the current crisis is hurting the industry's efforts on sustainability. I think the real question was, you know, were there enough efforts to begin with? And maybe COVID-19 is really forcing companies to make a change because the way they were operating before was not truly sustainable. I mean, the current realities only shed a light on how fragile certain areas of the business was. Mm-hmm. It's honestly just brought so much more to light all of this. It'd be interesting as well, looking forward in June with Pride Month coming up. We don't know where we'll be yet in June and what the situation will be. It doesn't feel that far away. But thinking about how brands have promoted that time before, how they promoted Pride, how could they make sure that they're still showing support with the current situation in mind with Pride? No, you're right. June will be here in no time, I feel. And it, it feels like every year around Pride Month, like brands always find themselves like embroiled in some kind of con- controversy. And like last year, maybe again, it was the year before, I kind of lose track. Like Nike released that collection with a pink triangle. I don't know if you remember it. And like that was a symbol that Nazis used to identify gay prisoners in camps during the Second World War. It, it was so controversial because the triangle was very political, very angry. And I mean, that's not to say, again, that brands shouldn't get creative or come up with some like fun or ironic approaches. But I do think they need to tread really lightly when they're approaching these kinds of topics. I think if brands want their campaigns around Pride to have like a long lasting value, they, it really should support the community. And it kind of goes back to engaging members of these marginalized communities and understanding yeah. what it is they need and what they want. I think companies kind of need to pivot from just celebrating a product or releasing like a shoe in all colors of the rainbow and really find a way to share stories of, you know, voices that are unheard, amplify their narratives and really provide aid where they can. I think the other thing that should be pointed out is that companies shouldn't be discouraged to try something at the prospect of making mistakes. I think being involved is not an option today when younger consumers care so much. I think it just needs to be a carefully thought out long-term initiative and not just something that happens on like the one day of the year. Absolutely. So I know that there's a theme across our retail customers who are planning protective wear in their future assortment strategies. How can brands continue to stay conscious of social causes, given the current circumstances like the pandemic that happens spontaneously? Well, I I think it's, again, making it a part of your DNA. Brands like Patagonia and Eileen Fisher, they've put purpose at the heart of their strategy and the operations. So it's been working to the way they do 
like everything since day one. And I think ultimately you can't really buy your way into things like, again, for example, sustainable fashion. Mm -hmm. If that's something you truly care about, then just stop buying what's new and do what you can to make use of what's already there. I think sometimes that's at odds with the capitalist business model, which is all about continual growth. Right now, I think in the context of COVID-19, it's not business as usual. So brands shouldn't act like it is. I think from a retail and marketing perspective, it's like having more time now has given brands the opportunity to really rethink what they're doing and also connect with their community online. I think the best way to avoid kind of like any kind of traps is to start building trust with customers well before any geopolitical or other kind of crisis. Mm -hmm. Also from like a retail marketing perspective, I think the best way to approach things would be like, yes, acknowledge the pandemic, but it also doesn't mean no, you don't have to cancel all your plans and all your efforts. For example, like marketing doesn't have to be somber, but maybe you could reduce the frequency of, you know, your marketing and how many things you're sending out, or maybe you could reference the virus even in your emails or Instagram posts, but then do it in an earnest way and explain how that affects your business. I think What's most important is customers really need communication right now. So it's not the time to shy away. I would also stick with what you know. Maybe now it's not the time to come kind of test something completely new. I think for brands, it's really important to understand like where their lane is and sustain it. And you know, maybe that means creating a hierarchy of values, you know, so they can really focus on the areas that are most relevant to them or the, or the issues they care about the most and like where they can have the most impact. And I think that really ties into what we've been talking about this whole conversation and, and you know, consistency is key. Yeah, there's quite a few patterns there of what you've spoken about. So the shopping experience is going to change for consumers. So if there's one key takeaway you think our listeners should know, what is that? I think the most important thing is to know why you're doing what you do. Brand purpose is the most important thing because it's what sets you apart and it's what helps build consumer loyalty. And at the end of the day, when customers come out of lockdown, they want to stick with the brands that have been the most vital to them. Mm -hmm. So I think you need to ask yourself, what is the purpose of your brand and why are you in the business beyond making money? Yeah, 100%. I feel like customers, you know, if they've had a positive experience with you as a brand during this time, then they're going to want to support you going forward. Completely. Katie, it was lovely having you on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure. No, thank you. We've really enjoyed the conversation. It's been so interesting. As a listener of ours, we're here to support you during this new challenging time in retail. If you're a customer of Edited, please contact your dedicated account manager and retail strategist, and they'll do everything they can to support you. For all our listeners, ensure you're subscribed to the Insider Briefing. Sign up at edited.com, where we'll be keeping you all updated on the latest news and strategies. Thank you for listening to Unedited. If you've enjoyed today's conversation with Katie, please make sure you subscribe to keep in the loop with future episodes. And if you found this episode helpful, please give us a rating, a review, or subscribe to us. And if you have any further questions, you can get in touch at unedited at edited.com or tweet us at edited underscore HQ. Goodbye.